this is the podcast Going Beyond Salvation, and I'm your host, Joseph Robinson, and we are, uh, this is a Psalms and Proverbs uh, podcast going over Psalms and Proverbs, and today we're going to go over uh, Psalm 84, 85, 86, and Psalm 87. And so we have Psalm 84, and with Psalm 84, just some of the things that really stood out to me in Psalm 84 was, you know, we we look at the psalm and it's, you know, the the first thing where it says, how lovely is your dwelling place, which you think about, there is a song um, that start you know, that goes off of that of how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty, and um, it's, it's better one day better in your courts or is what it's called and but when you look at this psalm it describes believers who are so attached to god that they long above everything else to be in god's house and presence you know their greatest desire is to experience god's nearness to worship him with other faithful believers and to receive his blessings and it's not just in a church that they're they're drawing it in it's you know, as believers, we're drawing near to him every single day. You know, we're drawing near to him and drawing near to his presence every single day and his word and worshiping, playing worship music, singing. And yes, even going to Bible study, going to church, just, and then it's even more than that, that you know, you're just longing to be with him even more than anything else. And, and even having that attitude of, you know, how you act at work, let it be a form of worship to the Lord, you know, that when, when you're being honest and working hard for your employer, or, you know, when you're in school, being honest and, and being, you know, how you act with other people, especially in school, at, at work, letting that be an act of worship to God. You know, it's having that focus, that, you know, that that heavenly-minded focus. And even how you react to to times where, you know, such as now with, with riots and, and with the coronavirus, you know, the things like that in times of... Even in the times of mourning, the times of when things aren't as good, you know, being close to the Lord and choosing to draw near to Him. And just having that yearning and hungering for the Lord. And it takes time to develop, you know, it's just like a relationship, you know, as I've used in the past podcasts, it's just like a relationship you have to work at it. You have to choose every single day that I'm going to read God's word. And it gets to the point that when you do miss it, you're like, you're not the same. You know, it's, it, it just seems like something's missing because if you don't spend that time with the Lord. And so that's just something, and it takes time. You know, it takes time just getting into a routine of, of getting in the word and, you know, reading the word, even if you don't understand it, just saying, Lord, you know, 
let you know help me to understand and and he will and and even just sitting before you get into the word and saying lord you know let your word speak to me and it'll start come up you know the word will start coming up even throughout your day even if it the bible's not in front of you you'll be reminded of things and and that's what happens to me a lot in my own life so you know we look in that psalm with psalm 84 and you know in in verse 4 it says blessed are those who dwell in your house when we go to the lord's house and it's not just a church you know you your home should be a place where the lord's presence is your home should be that way you know and you know we're in the process of buying a house and i told my husband i said before we even put anything one piece of furniture one box before we even do that i want us to go through we're going to pray over this home and dedicate this home to the lord you know and there's actually a song right now uh that was released by brandon lake and he it is called house of miracles and it was like wow this song just came out like at the right time and so we've just been you know every day you know that song i just keep playing that song and saying you know this is what my house is going to be this is what my house is going to be and it's so it's not just the you know your church it's also your home you know and you can pray over your workplace as well let that be where the lord's presence is you know, I tell my husband, you know, pray over your work, your workspace, you know, and I pray for him every day that, you know, it, the presence of the Lord would be there with him. So, you know, when we go to the Lord's house seeking his presence, you know, we're going to leave, receive his blessing. And these blessings, you know, it includes their nearness of God, you know, it includes a renewed spirit, spiritual strength. You know, it, it includes answered prayer and favor and honor. Those are the things that we can look forward to. We get into, you know, verse 11 where it's, it says, No good things does he withhold. Because God, God does good things. He never, like we make that mistake thinking that he's the one that tempts us. He's not the one that tempts us. You know, that that's the enemy. And the enemy uses things of our, he looks for weak spots in our own lives, you know, weaknesses that we have, the the fleshly desires that are not of, of God that he tries to rear up to make, and that's what it is, you know, it's not God who tempts us. And because God, you know, only good things come from God, you know, it doesn't exempt us you know, from what's going to happen, you know, what happens in the world, you know, there's, there's people that get sick, you know, we deal with family members dying, we, you know, we still deal with tragedy, because, you know, we live in a fallen world, but we know that God gives good things to us, and, and even though we may not understand where we're at in our own lives, we have to sit there going, okay, I trust that God's working things for good, and, it's not sitting here going, why did this happen? But looking and going, okay, God, what do you, what do you want to teach me in this time? 
what do I need to be looking to? And so, you know, no good thing does he withhold. You know, it's it's a promise that we can really hold on to. You know, it, and it helps us to sincerely strive to live godly, you know, and godly and righteous lives. It's not, you know, religion is, you know, you have to do good works to get to heaven. But relationship with God is you change because of his love. You know, you change because you received his love. You know, what God regards as good relates directly to our fulfilling his purpose for our lives. You know, our task is to, you know, be on that walk with him daily and, and listening to his voice, you know, and trusting God to furnish everything that is good physically and spiritually, temporarily, temporarily and eternally. And so that's essentially was Psalm 84 that I wanted to go over. And then we get into Psalm 85. We get into Psalm 85. And what really stood out to me was in verse 6. And it says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And we think about this psalm in, in a way there's... You know, it's kind of a, a low point spiritually. And as believers, there's going to be times where we do feel at a low point, you know, spiritually. And it's just because we go through life, you know, we get, we get stressed out, we get tired, you know, there's just different things. And it's about kind of evaluating your life and going, okay, why am I at this low point? And it's also going into prayer. You know, it, it's right for God's people to pray that he will revive them both individually and corporately. You know, if you're seeing, you know, your church, you know, the numbers kind of dwindling, you're seeing people, you know, I was sitting there one day and, you know, thinking about my church and there was just some things going on. And I just sat there and I said one day, I just started praying for our church to be revived again because there was just this attack of Satan on there. And it was like, no. You know, especially the heavy hitters of, we call them the heavy hitters of, of the church. That they're they're the people that God's really working with and the enemy doesn't like it. Like I've just said over and over and, and the, the Lord has reminded me over and over lately is Satan is a, lo, a, a sore loser. And he doesn't like it when God is working on our lives. And yes, it puts a target on our back and that's why it's important to continue daily when you are doing a work of God is making sure that you have gotten into your Bible, that you're you're praying daily and, and drawing near to him daily because that's where you're going to gain your spiritual armor in the times of attack and stuff. And and there's the times where you ha are at a low point spiritually. You know, we are... You know, salvation and spiritual life are dependent on God imparting to us his mercy, forgiveness, power, his life-giving spirit, and fervent desire to do his will. You know, when we're at a low point spiritually, we're not experiencing spiritual blessings as God intended. We, like I like to say, you know, you're kind of in a dry season. Then we should honestly confess our inner poverty 
you know, what we're going through and pray that God will revive us again. There is nothing wrong with going before God and saying, God, I honestly feel like this, you know, but, you know, you're the one that gives life and strength, revive me again. And, and he will answer that. He's not going to you know, leave you hanging. He's going to answer that and he's going to give you times of refreshing. And so, you know, that's with Psalm 85 and we get into Psalm 86 you know, we get into Psalm 86, and the first line, it says, Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. It's not saying that materially they're they're poor. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, you know, we got to be poor financially. No, what this is meaning is, you know, it's it's a prayer that's arising out of humility, affliction, and great need. You know, people tend to, and like I, I like to say, you know, there's a lot of people, they like to use prayer as kind of just this thing where you come in and just demand from God whatever you want. And you haven't really looked at your life to think maybe there's something you need to change in your life. There's no relationship with the Lord you know, no reading his word. You're just kind of using prayer as that backup. And that's not how prayer really works. Prayer is a part of, you know, I don't usually pray until after I've read, you know, my Bible, because there will be times I'll be reading the word and things will strike out to me that I feel like I need to pray. You know, it allows me to evaluate my life and go, you know, I... I need to confess of this as my sin. And, you know, so it prayer is about being humble, you know, and, and there's just something, you know, he has a special care for, for the people that are broken and needy. You know, there's a lot of worship songs about brokenness and just laying it all before him. And so... And then in verse 11, it says, teach me your way. And as I was talking before, it's, you know, in the midst of, of this trouble, we see the psalmist is humbly asking God to teach him his ways and his truth, that he might fear God from the heart, you know, and, and it's that way in our own lives. As I've said before, when we're experiencing times of trouble and even in times of, of good, you know, when things are going good, you need to sit there and go, okay, God, what do you want to teach me? and, you know, and, and allow him to work in you, you know, we're not, you know, going to be there all the way until, you know, we're in heaven, but, you know, a huge part of our, our walk is letting him teach us his ways. And, you know, and it's a, it's a prayer of mine every day is that my heart would just become more and more like the Lord's, that it would break you know, my heart would break for things that breaks his heart. And, you know, that's just a prayer that we should have every day is knowing what the Lord desires, knowing what what makes him sad and, and what, sin, what sin makes him angry, you know, and, and, and all of that. So, and to see people through his eyes, you know, just becoming more and more. Christ-like every day, it should be our prayer. 
And to finish out the Psalms, we go into Psalm 87. And I don't know very much about Psalm 87. I just know there's a lot of kind of prophecy to this. And so I'm not really going to go into Psalm 87. It's more of one that I would rather do later where I can be able to really sit down and break it down. And so that was it for Psalms. And so we're going to take a quick break and jump into Proverbs. So we get into Proverbs and we're we're finishing up 18 and, and going up and going into 19. And the first one that stood out was verse 16. A gift opens the way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the, of the great. And a huge thing about in our relationship with God is, is learning to have a giving heart. May it be giving tithe. May it be service, you know, in your church, serving your church. You know, you can tell somebody who is a giver, especially in, in the, in the act of service in, in the church, when you go and you see like a funeral happen and who's the one, you know, and they have these meals that happen after the funeral and you look and you see who, who's doing the dishes, who's, you know, making sure everything's being put together. The people that are kind of behind the scenes, sadly, there's a lot of churches where they're vying for these huge positions where you're up in the front, you know, you're singing on the worship team. And there's nothing wrong with having the gift of worship and, and singing. You know, if you have that, you know, use it for the Lord. But, you know, there's a lot of churches that vie for these, you know, these positions of where it's up front. But there's people that would rather be, you know, behind the scenes, you know, and they give behind the scenes. And I think it's, it's, when you're giving, you have to give from the heart. It's, you don't want to give to get back or, you know, get something out of it. You know, you want to give freely, you know, and with the intent that you want to bless, you know, and there's people, and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, just even, you know, taking, you know, your pastor's kids for a couple hours, you know, saying, hey, I'll take your kids so they can go hang out with my kids for a little bit and giving them some time to, you know, just be a couple. I mean, that's a an act of service, you know, that the Lord's going to bless you on because, you know, you're giving that pastor and, and their spouse that time to to be together and be a couple, you know, just different things. It's about giving, you know, just giving from the heart. And it's, and the Lord will direct you to say, you know, I want, you know, he'll say, I want you to do this, or I want you to give this much into missions. It's about asking the Lord and it ushers you into the presence of the great. It's, it's a way of, of, you know, and, and the Lord sees what you're doing. You don't need anybody else to see what you're doing. The Lord sees it. And so that was one that really stood out to me. And then verse 18, people go, okay, what is this with the casting the lot settles disputes and keeps strong opponents apart? 
in that time, you have to look at the time frame that this was written. In that time period, they did what was called casting lots. And that was the way that they they kind of went and learned from the Lord if somebody did bad. You know, we kind of saw that in the Old Testament where they were casting lots and figuring out who's the one that sinned. You know, that's how it, they would settle things in that time was casting the lot. Now, as I have shared in the book of Acts, the casting the lot, especially with believers, that left back in after they were they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. The last time that we hear of casting lots actually in the New Testament, you know, in the book of Acts is when they decide who replaces Judas. That was that was the last time. And see, it's essentially saying, you know, let the Lord settle the dispute. Go to him for wisdom. Go to him to deal with these disputes. You know, and it keeps strong opponents apart, you know. So that was something that stood out to me that I wanted to kind of discuss on. Then I wanted to go into 19 and verse 19 of, of chapter 18. It says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. You know, offense is really, it's really hard because, and we live in a time where people are so easily offended. And because of that, when you get into offense, you know, what it's meaning is, you know, if you've ever been offended before, if you've ever been hurt or betrayed, you know, you know, there are walls that come up and it's really hard for those walls to come down because, you know, trust has been broken, you know, essentially. And so offense is really hard to deal with because it's actually, I've actually, we see in the Bible, it's referred to as, as a bitter root. And when you think about roots, like on a tree, if a tree gets deep roots, it's really hard to get that tree down. But, and, and so, you know, and that's how it is with a fence. If it goes down deep into the heart, it's a move of the Lord in order. It has to be a move of God in order for those walls to come down. And, and I've dealt with people where they've had their walls up and, you know, is continually being patient and Christ-like with them. Then you start seeing the wall. And I've been that way too, because I've, you know, been hurt in my life. You know, when I got in a relationship with my husband there, the Lord had to deal with me because prior to my husband, you know, I was in a very abusive relationship where, you know, somebody played, this person played games with me mentally and emotionally. And, and so I had to essentially sit there before the Lord and the Lord had to tell me over and over, he is not, you know, so and so, you know, he's not this person. He's not your ex. And yes, my husband wasn't perfect. There's, you know, he's still human. And I had to learn to not take that as an offense and put the walls back up. I've had to learn to be Christ-like and say, no, I forgive him and, and learning to just freely trust him going, okay, this person's not going to hurt me. 
and all of that. So that was just something that also stood out to me in, in the reading. We get into verse 21, and it says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, what you say has a big influence on your circumstances. And, and when we believe and speak the promises of the word, we will enjoy the fruit of, of God's love. Um, you know, and it's huge. And I've talked about this in past podcasts because, I mean, over and over we see in the book of Proverbs talking about the tongue, controlling the tongue, controlling what you say. And a lot of people go against this whole name it and claim it deal. And, you know, there is some truth to the whole name it and claim it because I am not going to speak death over my life. I'm not going to speak death over my husband or negative things over him. I'm not going to speak negative things. And you know, and it's hard because I work in a work environment where people, they don't watch what they say and it gets, it's contagious. You want to get into that. And the Lord has reminded me lately, no, you're not going to follow what these people are going to do. You're going to be quiet. And I know there are people that they try to speak things over me going, this is not where you're supposed to be. And I mean, this past week, it was like, I had to sit there and go, when I was driving home from work and I'm like, no, the Lord has put us here for a reason. And, and that's how the enemy works. He will actually use people to try to speak things over your life that you're going to have to say, no, this is, you know, I know what God has for my life. And, you know, and, you know, there's people that I know that, you know, doctors were, we're giving them a death sentence and they go, no, I, no, this is what the word says. And they were speaking life that whole time, speaking life, you know, even when it was hard because they, they weren't feeling well, but they chose to say, this is who I am. This is what the word says. And, and that's what we have to do as believers is choose to speak life. You know, like I was saying, you know, I, take that song, the house of miracles, you know, house of miracles by Brandon Lake. And I'm like proclaiming that over my house going, this is what it's going to be. And this is what I choose for it to be. And it's a, you know, saying that helps you to make that determination. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> and then going into verse 22 of, of chapter 18, it says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. And I mean, these days, it bothers me how entertainment really makes fun of marriage, you know, and perceives it in such a negative limelight. And you actually see more and more stars saying, no, I'm not going to get married. And but God made marriage for a reason. He he made marriage for a reason. He made woman to complete a man. And like today we see men and women competing against each other. And it's like God didn't make us that way. He made woman for a specific reason, you know, to to fulfill the man, to encourage the, the man. You know, that's how it is. You know, and so a man who finds a wife, you know, 
finds what is good because what God makes is good, you know, and, and, and all of that. So, you know, I just want to say, you know, marriage is a good thing from God. Don't let the entertainment or these stars say, you know, and I know there are Hollywood stars that are Christian and they, they say the same thing that I do, that marriage is the best thing. Those are the ones you want to listen to because they're getting into the word. They're letting God change their lives. But there are people that, you know, you have to watch what the, you know, be careful what the wor- world says. Um, so that really stood out to me. Then we get into chapter 19 and there's just a few things that I wanted to point out, um, you know, just a, a couple of verses in that reading where he, you know, and we had looked at verses, you know, one, I'm going through verses one through uh, 12, but there's just a, two of them that I wanted to point out. You know, it, it talks about in verse four, you know, wealth brings many friends, but a poor man's friends deserts him. And it's this whole thing about, you know, wealth, you know, they make a lot of friends because they have a lot to give. And then the poor person doesn't make hardly any friends because they have nothing to give. And, you know, the New Testament warns against this attitude. You know, we shouldn't be attracted to those who we shouldn't even judge, you know, and, and, and all of that, you know, our friendship should be based on you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't be based on finances or what they can give. It should be based on this person is my friend. We like and have the same interests. We, you know, I really like them. We have fun together, you know, all of that. And I can trust them. They'll pray with me. That is the, the friend you want is a friend who's going to be godly, who's going to be there when you know, you need prayer and to pray with you and, and to encourage you. That's the friend you want. It shouldn't be based on wealth. It shouldn't be based on, you know, even social status, even, you know, if even race as well, you know, I, it's, it's a huge thing. Then the other one that I pointed out is a, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. When you are in a relationship with God, he really works on patience. And it's hard because patience is one of the hardest things. Like people do say, do not pray for, you know, to God for, for patience, you know, because he's going to work on your patience and, you know, a huge thing about being a Christian is learning to look over a fence. And as I've talked about before with the fence is learning to look over a fence and to forgive just like Christ forgave us, you know, and there was a prayer that I, I saw, you know, I f- follow on Facebook. Um, it's called unveiled wife and it's a, you know, it's the wife and then the husband has his, his own. And I believe it's called husband revolution. If I remember correctly, but I follow unveiled wife and she always puts these prayers out. And like that day, like 
today before I did this podcast, it was about, you know, overlooking, you know, husband's mistakes, forgiving the husband's mistakes and learning to praise him for, for what he does, how he contributes. And that's a huge thing is learning, especially in marriage, learning to overlook when your spouse isn't perfect, learning to forgive, you know, when they've been snippy, when they're not perfect, they're not, you know, being respectful, you know, it's learning to be Christ-like in that situation and, and to forgive when, when they've caused offense. So, and even as, even if, you know, away from marriage, learning to forgive the coworker, learning to forgive, you know, the family member, you know, all learning just to forgive, period. So that was it for uh, this podcast. So for the next Psalm and Proverb podcast, we're going to go over Psalm 88. Um, that's the only Psalm we'll talk about, but I just wanted to challenge you ahead of time to read Psalm 89 verses one through seven, um, eight through 18. So read from Psalm 89 verse one through verse 45. And then, um, we're going to go in Proverbs chapter 19 and, Start on verse 13 and discuss through verse 29. And we'll also go into Proverbs 20 and discuss verses 1 through 6. And so stay tuned for the Book of Acts podcast.